You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of Life Repurposed. I want to start off with a question today. What holds you together when it feels as if you're unraveling on the inside? My guest today knows how that feels. Rosie Williams and I connected through our love for trash-to-treasure things and repurposing, and she reached out to me when we were in a mutual group on Facebook, and it turns out we have a lot more in common than we realized. We sat down recently and talked in an interview where Rosie shared her heart about how she started to grow spiritually in a time when she felt like she was at her breaking point. She also shared how she wrote about that in one of her books that she's released and just teaching people how to have some time with God that's meaningful, that helps us to connect with him in a way that changes our lives and also impacts others. Rosie is a Christian author a military nonprofit administrator, and an antique booth owner from Kansas. She and her Vietnam vet husband have six grandchildren, and I found out we're boy moms. We have that in common as well. Rosie is passionate about teaching women how to study and apply the Bible in order to know Christ in a personal and vibrant way. We're going to talk about several resources in this episode, several books, devotionals, a freebie that Rosie has on her website. So you're going to want to go to the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 85. There you'll find some of the fun quotes from our episode, more about Rosie and links to everything we talk about. And now let's listen in on the conversation that I had with Rosie Williams. Welcome, Rosie, to Life Repurposed. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Michelle. I love how we met. So I was randomly putting out calls for submissions for a book that's coming out, a compilation of a bunch of authors, and you commented because there's something really similar about what we write about. So I love that you reached out that way. I'd like to know a little bit more about your repurposing journey because you own either an antique store or you have a booth at one. Yes, I have a booth uh, at a flea market here in uh, Kansas, in Topeka, Kansas, and it's called Rose's Vintage Finds. And I've been in this business for over 30 years, but I just love old things and um, especially anything that's vintage 50s. Uh, I, I specialize in Pyrex bowls and and anything red. I love red stuff. Uh, but then... Um, Coupled alongside of that, my husband is a uh, has a lot of skills in the area of fixing things and carpentry and woodworking, and so he will a lot of times repurpose something that I find, and uh, then I'll take it to my booth. I love that. Yeah, my husband, he's happy that I haven't gone garage sailing as much as I used to because I would bring things home and say, "I need you to help me with this." Yes, <laughs> yeah, that happens at our house too. <laughs> yeah. So when did you first see that there was a connection between the repurposing that you were doing and a spiritual application? Because this is something we both have in common. We both write about how God repurposes our trashy experiences and turns them into treasure. So when did you first make that connection? I I think it was when I was trying to 
come up with a title for the book that I was writing and in the process of writing that had to do with a quiet time, a, a time with God that is more a uh, friendship kind of intimate relationship with them. And I thought about my own life and how uh, even though I have been a Christian for many years, there came a point at which I would drifted away from the roots of the uh, kinds of things that kept me really walking really close to the Lord. And so I, you know, I would, I felt like that I got so busy serving the Lord that I wasn't spending time with him. Mm. And I was talking about him, but I wasn't really listening to what he had to say to me. And so uh, because of that, some things began to collapse in my life and I was in need of some major repurposing because when, when that happens, all, and it's almost like getting disconnected from your power source, mm-hmm. then you begin to um, do things on your own strength and you start seeing these things that come out of your mouth that are not pleasant and you're anxious and the opposite, I think, of what should def- have defined me as a, a believer in Christ. What I love is that when I take something and I repurpose it, so I I repurpose a lot of old things into furniture or um, behind me in my office, I have a window I turned into a chalkboard, that kind of thing. What I love is that it still has some of the imperfections there. Mm-hmm. And so even through that journey, it's it's a process. It isn't like I was this and now I'm perfect. It's more of a daily learning how God restores us. So I love that you're talking about a quiet time, that time spent with God. What are some of the things that somebody does during what we would call a quiet time? I think growing up in Sunday school, it was kind of like, oh, we have to read our Bible every day and we have to pray every day. And it was almost like this list of of to-dos, of, of like religious activities. Uh, what I've learned now, I'm, now I'm 70, almost turning to turn 71, what I've learned is it's so much more than that. It's not an activity we do to gain God's favor. It's it's something we do uh, once we have believed in Christ and accepted Him personally. It's it's a it's the way that we grow. It's like it's like eating, like when we eat food or or when we we have a drink of water. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about the refreshment that comes from drinking spiritual water from the very source with which is Christ. And what happens then is the quiet time becomes something that you absolutely cannot wait to get to on a daily basis. But um, the other thing is that I've observed during my, there's different stages of life. And with those stages, there's different time lots that are available for that kind of thing. And so I do remember some things that I had to do when I had little kids at home that I don't really have to think about right now because I have more time. Yeah, I love that perspective that this is not something we have to do, but something that is beneficial that eventually we want to do. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that idea of like, this is a to do a task I have to check off, like read a short devotional and set the Bible aside. And then I'm done on on with my day. And I don't really absorb anything from it. You've said that the verses that we study come back in times of crisis, and those are brought to mind, and that's why that's so important. I'd like to know 
What have you gone through that has caused you to have a deeper faith where you've seen how this time you spend with the Lord every day has really been beneficial for your faith? One of the things I've gone through is my husband is a Vietnam veteran, and when uh, we were high school sweethearts, so but when he came home, he was different. He had um, some effects from having fought in a war he didn't really want to go to in the first place, uh, but he did his job well. But there was some post-traumatic stress that he was carrying around, and and as a result of that, that some of that kind of came to me as well. Uh, we call it secondary post-traumatic stress. And so um, that was one of the things that I, I felt like I was trying to help my husband deal with. And then I also had some serious health problems where I ended up in the hospital multiple times with a um, recurring acute pancreatitis. And so anybody that's had that will go, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> I've had some uh, health issues. I've had some Things happen in my family uh, with family members that have kind of fallen away from the Lord. And so there's been just this, uh, not a huge tragedy. Overall, my life has just been uh, such a blessing. God has given me a wonderful life. But along the way, some of these things started to happen. And I, I, I found myself if I, you know, when I did have my prayer, a quiet time with God, I just like frantically bringing him all my prayer requests. And, and, and then it was like, I got to go. And then I was, <laughs> it was like, I was, if you could imagine a, a church aisle, I was like, I was running down the aisle. I love the Lord. But I was dragging Jesus behind me. Uh, <laughs> it was like all backwards. And, and as it became all backwards, I became in, unraveled on the inside. In your marriage, have you always had a fallout from your husband's PTSD, or was that something that came along later? I think it it was from really day one when he when he first came home. But we didn't know what it was back then, and it wasn't until uh, like we've been we just celebrated our fiftieth wedding anniversary in October. Yes, it was it was amazing. Um, but um, so it, it was probably um, I don't know well into our marriage, maybe twenty years into our marriage before we began to understand a little bit about post-traumatic stress because we had gotten involved in helping other military families in a ministry. And so we were beginning to understand what was going on because we were trying to help other people that were going through it too. I married my high school sweetheart too. I was 20 when we got married. And I think about how little we knew at age 20 about how to be adults really. And so I'm trying to imagine what it was like for you to add that trauma into your relationship because starting off, you know, there's a lot of conflict in the early years of marriage just automatically. So I'd love to know some of the things that you've learned in that process over the years that you now teach to other people, especially on the end where you said, how did you phrase that? You said secondary PTSD. Is that how you? Right. Yeah. Well, for example, uh, one, of, one of the uh, effects of, of PTSD is isolation in, in, in a veteran uh, may not feel comfortable around civilian world. They might feel like people don't understand what they went through or why they did what they did. 
And so then, then if you're married, then now as a spouse, you're somewhat isolated at times as well, because maybe they're not comfortable being in big group or something like that. And for me, being a people person and outgoing extrovert, that was my life source. I mean, that was part of what I loved. And so that was one example. You know, there were other times where where Steve had a lot of like anxiety with inside of him where he hadn't even been able to identify it. It was like when he came home, whereas now maybe there might be more of a opportunity for some reintegration counseling into mm-hmm the world again. He he just like dove from the jungle into, okay, let's get married three weeks later, you know? So there wasn't any time to process. And so the stuff that he was having to process inside sometimes would, would make him very anxious and uptight and even angry. So that would come out. And sometimes I would feel like, like it was coming out at me, but he, he would say, no, it's not anything you've done. But then it's like, well, what's going on? And so it was that elephant in the room. It was that tension that was there, but we didn't know how to grab a hold of it. We didn't know what it was, but we but we were just like going, wait, I thought we were going to ha- get married and have this happily ever after. And I thought we knew how to work through a conflict from start to finish and come out. And uh, it, was, it wasn't as easy as that, but uh, God was so good at the time to always, if we got to a point where we couldn't figure it out, we would just cry out to God and ask him uh, to show the kind of love that he has that could draw us back together. And we were highly committed to one another. We, that was like, we, we never said, oh, divorce can never happen to us. But on the other hand, we, we were committed to doing the things that we could do so that it wouldn't happen to us. And so we never brought that up in an argument or anything like that, that, that weapon. We, we just, as hard as things would get, we would just seek God individually sometimes even, and God would bring us back together time and again, time and again. At, at the right time, he brought counselors to us and just, just, you know, it's hard. You look back over 50 years and you think all of the times that, At the breaking point, God said, I'm here, I'm holding you together, and I will continue to walk with you. Yeah, it's so cool, too, that you wrote a book together. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the resources at the end of the show. But that's like the frosting on the cake at the end that uh, after this long journey that you now have something that you can offer to others as a tool that they can order even online and take home. You might never even meet the people that you impact through this journey that God has brought you on. I'm thinking about some of the things that you have shared on your website and your bio. You had mentioned being at a place, serving in Christian ministry and working yourself to the breaking point while unraveling on the inside. I'd like to know a little about that experience and what brought you to that place. I love that terminology and the visual picture of unraveling on the inside because it sounds like you have it together on the outside and inside something's going on. Because the Lord has given me, I believe he's given me a heart to serve others. Uh, that is the kind of work that I gravitated to. And so my, and the same with my husband. So my husband was ju- juvenile probation officer. I worked with 
in, in the caring in the human services field. I, I was a case manager and I was trying to help elderly people uh, when they got out of the hospital, help to arrange their services and that kind of thing. And all the jobs that I ever had were all related around helping other people. So I found myself uh, at work one day and here I am. I've got, you know, I've got a family. I have three sons. I had three sons. I had a ministry, actually several ministries, because not only were we working with Point Man Ministries with our vets, but we also facilitated a an adult Sunday school class at our church. And I was at one point um, instrumental in starting a women's ministry program at the church. So for a while, I was directing that program. I, I'm kind of a program. I am a program person. I'm a big picture person. And so uh, that's kind of how I ended up, you know, doing all those things. But then, and then my, my job, uh, at one point I worked for a state fire marshal and, uh, I had program for child fire setters to help them. And so all, all this to say that I found myself at work one day and I had just popped up something and it was on, it was on job burnout. And so I was looking, I'd take a little test and I, I like was, I flunked the test. I'm like total job <laughs> burnout. Then that led me to another test. And this one here was the one that really hit me and it was on a compassion fatigue. And so then I took the test on compassion fatigue and I flunked that one too. It was like, uh, Ding, ding, ding. You know, this is not a professional uh, test. However, if you are scoring between this range and this range, it might be good for you to contact a uh, your doctor or a counselor. That just hit me because I went, I need counseling. I need help. That day I called my doctor and we and I, that began um, a series of and I, I, I didn't even recognize how bad shape I was. Until, until I went into that uh, doctor and then she referred me to counseling and and I began to then start putting two and two together and, and learning how to get things back in order, I guess you might say. One of the things I remember when I went to the counselor is is saying, you know, I'm the type of person that does everything at 110%. And it's like, oh man, that's a badge of honor there. And the counselor said, have you ever thought of doing 100 <laughs> and I just like looked at her like, no, it's like never coming to my mind, much less 80, like, you know, 80 yeah. is probably good. And so um, it, it, those kind of questions would cause me then to go back and uh, really think about those kinds of things and go, why am I pushing so hard here? You know, as, as a Christian, I'm, I'm told in, in the Bible that God accepts me just like I am. I don't have to do all these acts of service. I don't have to prove anything to him. Yeah. He he wants me to come just like I am. So I I had to to back up and definitely slow down and learn in, in this whole quiet time. In that I talked about earlier how I before I'd come to him frantically when that should be a red flag if we're, yeah. if we're coming to uh try to get some help and, and, and looking at it from the spiritual side and we're, and we're just, we're frantic and we're anxious and we're worried and we're guilt ridden because see that quiet time should be a shame free zone. That should be a safe zone. And in, in my book, one of the things, my book repurposed faith, 
uh, and that's what what caught my attention when when I was online and I saw your book, uh, the the repurposed upcycled life. I'm like, man, we're thinking alike here. <laughs> yes. But one of the things I talk about is obstacles to that time. What is it that keeps us from that quiet, peaceful, nurturing, safe zone where we can be replenished and then go out into the world with real clear instructions as far as like what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And then the fruit of that is a natural overflow. Mm-hmm. It's not white knuckling. I, okay, this year, this year, I'm going to be better at this, that or the other, but it's going to be a gentle, loving, prodding, uh, maybe um, reminding through a verse of scripture uh, that reaffirms God's love for us Mm -hmm. so that when he tells us to go out and love the world and love our neighbor, love a a difficult person in our family, let's say it's, it's a natural overflow because we're getting it from God, not trying to muster it up on our own. Yeah. So what do you think your biggest obstacle was for slowing down like that? Wow. There's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of different ones. Probably for me was, was trying to serve God on my own strength. Mm. Uh, you, you know, the Bible says, let him who serves serve with the strength that he provides. I think I was caught up in, in a performance based faith situation where I was trying to do all these things for God without realizing the priority of that time with him. There was a real significant thing that happened. My friend and I went to a conference in Colorado and it was a women's ministry conference. And it was led by a gal named Becky Terabasi. She's written a book called Let Prayer Change Your Life. And she's an amazing testimony. But um, her deal was that she made a commitment to God at one point because she realized she needed to spend more time in prayer. And so she made a commitment that she would pray an hour a day for the rest of her life. And I mean, when she said that, I like looked at my friend and I was like, an hour a day for the rest of your, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this kind of a commitment. Yeah. And I go, I sure, I mean, to myself, I'm like, I sure hope she doesn't ask me to do that. And the next thing I know, um, <laughs> here we are in a church again with a long aisle and she's asking us to make a commitment. If, if we feel led to commit 10 minutes a day for the rest of our life in prayer and Bible study. And I was like, I think I can do 10 minutes. (laughs) And so uh, my friend and I, we both walked down the aisle that day. To me, that was a a turning point for me because now I had a commitment. I had a a goal, a 10-minute goal. And then what happened was that that 10 minutes turned into an hour. It was amazingly, uh, but um, or more. So that was a real big turning point in my life. And even though that was really significant, I still had times where I kept falling off the the, the rail and forgetting about um, how important that was. But God was, I mean, he wasn't holding me to, oh, you didn't get your 10 minutes in. Um, He would help me to get back on track in a very gentle way with him. 
That's a fantastic tip because I think there are people listening who are like, well, when you say performance-based, that was me. I definitely have struggled throughout my life with that performance-based faith and thinking it's all or nothing. If I can't do an hour, if I can't do a half hour, then I'm not going to do anything. I, I love that you're encouraging people to take a small step and set a goal that's realistic. So maybe for somebody it's three minutes, maybe for somebody it's 10, maybe it's 30, but to start there and just open the Bible. Now, I've also struggled with unwinding my mind. I When I sit still, I have all these ideas that come. So I bought myself a coloring Bible so that I could read something and pause and color the little things that were in the margin. Mm -hmm. Are there any other ways that you've found that have helped slow you down? One of the things that I did do is I have my little, I'm I'm a sticky note person. (laughs) I also, I've got journal, a ridiculous amount of journals. I love Bible journaling actually. Um, But so uh, what I did, first of all, is I gave myself permission when that, when my mind would start wandering like, oh, I forgot to go to the post office, let's say. So then I will just, I will just jot it down over here and then I'll just go, okay, that's, and every time I would have a thought that would take me off track, I would just write it down. And then I would, I would just go forward instead of beating myself up about the fact that I'm not staying focused. And um, the other thing is, is that I, I'm going to go recently in the year of 2020, when, when all this pandemic stuff hit, the other thing I did was I began to slow down a little bit instead of trying to, oh, I've got to read this whole chapter in this Bible study book or this devotional book or whatever. I began to rein it in and and start looking at one verse at a time. That's good. And just saying, and, and I also, the other thing I have done for years is I will like, I love to write like physically write, And so I will write out a, a verse, especially one that really is touching my heart on a three by five card. And then I will, I will write the date and I will write where it is, but I, I don't do just one. I do two. And my girlfriend and I, Linda and I started doing this years ago. So the, we would take the one and we'd file it in a, like a recipe box. We, we got these extra long recipe boxes. So we'd file them according to keywords in those verses so that we could go back and find them if when he's yeah. trying to talk to somebody. And then we take, I'd take the other one, I'd stick it in my purse or I'd stick it in my Bible. And I'd say, God, this verse meant so much to me. This verse about your steadfast love, uh, this verse about cast your care upon me because I care for you meant so much to me that you show me someone else that needs it too. And inevitably before the week was through, I'd be, I mean, anywhere I might be at the church lobby. I might be at the grocery store. I might be at the restaurant. I don't know where God would say, okay, this is their time. You need to give this to them. And so I began to do that. One time I gave one of those to my son's uh, teacher because I, I, she was so such a good teacher and she was going through some stuff. And so I just gave that card to her and never, you know, and then you just walk away and forget it. And then I ran into her years later, like 20 years later, I ran into her and she opened up her Bible and she said, you remember when you gave me this card? Oh my goodness. Card? And I'm like, I'm like, not really. I mean, like, I didn't really remember, 
But God knew that she needed that that day. And so that's a, that's a, a little way. I call it double blessing. It is. Not only did God bless me with it, he blessed somebody else with it. And hopefully she paid it forward again. But um, so I, I, I like to use little tools like that. Um, but I realize that we're all put together differently. So in my in my book, what I what I do is I try to take a range of approaches to this quiet time. So like, for example, I have a cousin who's an artist and she has trouble sitting down, really focusing on um, a, a like a detailed Bible study. Other people, they may love that. They may love the detail Bible study, but she couldn't do it. But she would come away and she would listen and come away. And then she would draw a beautiful painting of what she had just learned from maybe one of the verses that caught her attention. And so God has created us with so much creativity that that is the thing. When we tap into how he's created us and all of a sudden we're going, man, I'm going to do a watercolor thing on this. I'm going to pretend I'm in sixth grade and go back and do artwork. I don't know. For me, uh, being able to recognize the unique way God's put us together and then go, wow, I don't have to look like this person over here. I don't have to get into a trap of comparing myself. Great tips. I love that there's so many layers to your time with the Lord. Not only are you studying to enrich your own faith, but you're looking for opportunities to minister to somebody else. I think that's a wonderful takeaway from this whole episode, that this is not just about us. This is about our growth, but it's also about how we can invite other people to hear God's words. You're handing them God's word on a card. So I love that. We're going to run out of time. I love talking to you, and I could talk to you all day. So what I want to do is talk about resources. I don't want to miss that. Let's talk about your book, Repurposed Faith. So tell us who Repurposed Faith is for. Repurposed Faith, the subtitle is Breathing New Life into Your Quiet Time. So the book is for the, this. I think of one particular woman I was talking to who said, I have just got to get myself together with having a personal quiet time with God. I just can't seem to do it. I can't seem to get motivated to do it. And I began, I, I just couldn't quit thinking about that. And I kept going, I, I, I didn't talk to her again. I didn't know her very well. I didn't really talk to her again, but I started thinking about why is it? Because you hear that a lot. Well, I know I should do this, but you know, it's one of those, I should things that Christians put on themselves. But I, I began to go, what is it? You know, why is it so hard? And I began to think about, the common things, the fact that we would just as soon look at our phone and scroll through that as we would go to our quiet place and look at the word of God. Uh, I began to think about, for me, I've got some attention deficit going on. So uh, that enters into it. But then I got to thinking about some of the deeper things like, for example, at the woman who may have had a real harsh father growing up, or maybe that father not only was harsh, but he was absent. And, and, and because of that, I began to play into her uh, mind as she thinks about, 
uh, you know, going and, and opening up her heart in a quiet time situation to God, who she may have uh, visions of as being a harsh, authoritative father. And for me personally, I didn't have that. So I understand from an earthly perspective what a loving, grace-filled father, encouraging father looks like. And so what my like passion is, is to tell those women that didn't have that growing up, that's not how God is. God is like the opposite of that. And when you can grab a hold of that and you can realize that um, he is, uh, he not only wants you to look at his, hear him through his word, but just quietly sitting in his presence, that he will communicate with you in the quiet innermost resources of your heart. And so that's like such a passion for me to, let's get to the root of, of what it is that's really keeping us from wanting that time with him. And then when we do that, well, then it starts just opening up. And I, I talk about um, dusty gold was one of the titles of my chapter where, uh, where you begin to look at the time in the word as a treasure hunt, because it's just so exciting when you, you go, how did God know I needed that? Where can somebody find you online to find your book? RosieJWilliams.com. I'll link to your website in the show notes. I'm also going to link to a couple of other resources that we won't get into today, but one is Nine Pairs of Boots in Vietnam, Steps to Healing Every Veteran Needs to Know. I'm going to link to that. That's Rosie's book with her husband that just came out, and we talked a little bit about PTSD at the beginning of this episode. You will also find Rosie on version. She's written some devotions there, so you can look for those. And by the time this episode airs, she has a new freebie that you can sign up for on her website. Rosie, what is that called? It's called Has the pandemic wrecked your quiet time? Three tips to get back on track. So you want to get that resource too, and you'll find a link to Rosie's website in the show notes. So you'll go there and then be able to sign up for that. As we leave our listeners, Rosie, one or two sentences that you think would really encourage their hearts today. God loves you would be the first sentence. And God wants to show you his presence on a daily basis perfect synopsis to everything you've just shared today. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate you sharing your heart with my audience. And I appreciate the way you're listening to God as you're writing and putting words on paper that will change other people's lives. So thank you for the work that you've done in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Michelle. So nice talking to you. Remember, if you want to get links to everything we talked about in this episode, you just have to go to michellerayburn.com slash 85. There you'll find the show notes, some extras for you to use as resources, and also you'll be able to find a link to connect with our Facebook community. I'd love to have you join us on the Life Repurposed Facebook community because there we continue the conversation. So I'm going to be asking some questions about how you have discovered ways to connect with God in your everyday life. I'd love to hear your answers to the questions, so be sure to join the group. Thanks for being with me this week, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. 
I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.